You're tuned in to the Kojo Nandi Show on WAMU 88.5. Welcome. Later in the broadcast, we'll talk about another high court ruling, one that preserves DACA at least for the time being. But first, it's the last day of Pride Month. Earlier in the month, LGBTQ people across the country celebrated after the Supreme Court ruled that employers couldn't discriminate against them based on sexual orientation or gender identity. This ruling came just days before the five-year anniversary of the historic Supreme Court ruling for marriage equality. The ruling was a welcome surprise for the LGBTQ community, which has documented employment discrimination in nearly every industry. One-fifth of LGBTQ employees report facing some kind of discrimination while applying for jobs, with people of color suffering more than their white counterparts. Today, we look at what it took the LGBTQ community to win this victory, and its next steps in the fight for equality. We'd love to have you join the conversation. Give us a call at 800-433-8850. Do you identify as LGBTQ? Have you faced discrimination in the workplace? 800-433-8850. You can send us a tweet at Kojo Show. Email to kojowamu.org, or you can go to our website, kojoshow.org. Join the conversation there. Joining me now is Tom Spiegel, owner of the Spiegel Law Firm. Tom Spiegel, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Kojo. Can you provide some background on this Supreme Court case? Who were the plaintiffs and how did it get to the highest court in the land? Yes. So, um, you know, prior to there were three plaintiffs here. The name plaintiff, uh, Bostic, was uh, from Georgia uh, in the 11th Circuit. And it, the court was addressing a split in the circuits about whether Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is the main anti-discrimination, federal anti-discrimination law in the nation, whether it covered the rights of LGBTQ employees uh, because Title VII provides that people cannot be discriminated on, against on the basis of sex. And so that's really what teed up the issue for the court is that uh, the, the statute didn't directly address this issue and there were circuit courts that, were, that had come down on different sides of this issue. Um, and there were three named plaintiffs in this one. Two of them were circuit courts that had found that Title VII did provide those rights and one, uh, uh, the, the 11th Circuit, where Bostick was in Georgia, finding that Title VII did not cover those rights. Well, Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote for the majority in this 6-3 decision. Were you surprised that he authored it and that he was joined by Chief Justice John Roberts? Yes, I, I was uh, very surprised. I think many, many people uh, on the legal community um, uh, on, on both sides of this issue were surprised by this opinion and a number, of course, a number of other ones. Um, yeah, I think everybody, I think, you know, the advocates going into it knew that, that they were, they were, you know, they had their arguments aimed at, uh, at Gorsuch, particularly because he's a, what's called a textualist. So he looks to the letter of the, of the law and deciding, deciding these issues. And there was a strong textualist argument that because of sex means what it says. And that is, if you were going to take action against somebody in the workplace because of their sexual identity, that's included. And they won today. But that was, um, that was far from certain going in. And I think many people, including me, if you'd asked me before the opinion came down, I, I would have, um, you know, although I, I, I certainly support the argument that Title VII does cover members of the LGBTQ community, I would have said that it was, um, we we're probably going to lose it. Joining us now is Kiera Johnson, Deputy Executive Director of the National LGBTQ Task Force. Kiera Johnson, thank you for joining us. 
Thank you. It's really great to be on the show with you. What does this decision mean for the LGBTQ community? What will its impact be? Yes. Um, you know, this, uh, this ruling means that it is illegal now to discriminate against LGBTQ people in the workplace. Um, and that is going to have huge impact for people in, you know, who have all kinds of employers across the nation. But I think even more importantly is that it sets up a foundation for the work that we have to do moving forward. Um, there are still gaps, um, uh, that we have to fill. There's still discrimination that happens and that can happen. Um, and we've got work to do, and this sets us up for further wins as we move forward. Well, the Supreme Court's decision comes at a time of racial reckoning in this country. Is it significant that this decision was handed down even as the Black Lives Matter movement is sweeping the nation? I, I think, um, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, all, all of the SCOTUS decisions, right, we saw the upholding of DACA, we saw um, abortion access, a win in that arena as well. And I think um, the movement for black lives and the social justice activists working um, together cross movements is, is showing um, that, you know, we're gaining momentum, right? These movements are, are growing. And, I, and I, I think all of this is a context that, um, I don't know, if, you, if you're a, ha- a glass half full kind of person signifies that we are moving in the right direction and we've got more wins coming. We'd love to hear from you. What is your view of the Supreme Court ruling? Give us a call at 800-433-8850. Send us a tweet at Kojo Show or email to kojo at wamu.org. Tom Spiegel, your firm represents employees who have faced workplace discrimination. What have you seen in this region? Is workplace discrimination against LGBTQ people a major issue in this region? Uh, Sadly, yes. I think all kinds of discrimination continue to happen, uh, certainly against the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, our, we, of course, have many progressive employers in our region who are on the forefront of, of anti-discrimination policy, um, you know, so, and they should, be, they should be applauded. But it's no question that it still happens in the workplace. And even in employers who, as a corporate body, you know, want to do the right thing, uh, you can have a rogue manager, you can have somebody, you know, who's making these decisions, who does uh, act on a discriminatory bias. And, uh, you know, prior to this Supreme Court ruling, depending on what state you were in, you had really limited rights if you were in one of these states, uh, uh, you know, that, that found that Title VII did not cover uh, discrimination against the LGBTQ community. I mean, if you look in our region, you know, it used to be, and Virginia's got new laws getting ready to come on the books, in fact, tomorrow, that, that will provide broad protections. But prior to that, you had strange situations where somebody in Virginia uh, uh, had very different rights for the same conduct. And if you cross the, you know, cross the bridge into D.C., where you had much more expansive state rights for the LGBTQ community. So this really does even that out. I I can't really overemphasize how momentous this decision is because, yes, absolutely, discrimination still, sadly, still happens in the workplace and, and, and other places against the LGBTQ community. Given this ruling, will standards for employment of LGBTQ individuals be the same in Virginia as they are in the district? 
Yes. Um, uh, but the only reason I even hesitate a little bit is that, um, you know, the Title VII still you know, applies to employers with 15 or more employees. Uh, so it will remain the fact that, you know, the case that smaller employers are not covered by Title VII. And in states where uh, there's not a strong state-level anti-discrimination law, you may have situations where, you know, they are, they are not protected. Um, that's not true in the DMV. You know, the D.C. Human Rights Act uh, covers all employees. Uh, the Virginia Values Act, which goes into effect tomorrow, will, in, will in some instances cover smaller employers. Um, so, so in this area, you know, the things are certainly, uh, you know, there's a brighter day for the LGBTQ community, at least in terms of workplace rights. Kiara Johnson, even though this ruling helps LGBTQ people in the workplace, it does not apply beyond it. But something called the Equality Act would. What is that and what would it do? Yes, um, a lot of folks don't realize that uh, that this ruling doesn't is not a, a wide and expansive non-discrimination protection for LGBTQ people. Um, it is still legal to discriminate against LGBTQ people in federally funded programs, including hospitals and college adoption agencies, um, you know, uh, public accommodations such as hotels and restaurants. And the Equality Act um, is an is an attempt to get to those broad sweeping non-discrimination, um, uh, to create a, a broad sweeping non-discrimination policy so that uh, we can end discrimination for LGBTQ people in every aspect of their lives. Um, and that is, you know, that's what we're fighting for. Tom Spiegel, are there any exceptions to the Supreme Court ruling? Any loopholes that states that are trying to get around it might be able to use? You know, I think there, there are some, uh, you know, there's the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, there, you know, which uh, says that, that, well, it looks like only for closely held corporations, probably not for public companies, that for sincerely held religious beliefs, they can in certain instances uh, get around some workplace laws. That's a fairly limited exception. And in fact, was uh, uh, in the Bostick case, um, I mean, in the, one of the, in the cases before the Supreme Court, that issue was argued before the, in the lower court and they lost. I think it's a fairly limited exception, but we will see, I think some employers try that. I don't think that, I don't know that we'll see states try it, but who knows, we'll see. Um, there's also the ministerial exception under Title VII that applies to religious organizations. So we're going to see some litigation in the margins around those issues. But this is a pretty strong opinion that I think it's going to be hard for states and employers that, uh, for whatever reason, don't want to, you know, don't want to comply with it uh, or disagree with the policy of it. It's going to be hard for them to get out from under it. So are you saying that employers accused of firing or mistreating LGBTQ employees, those who claim that they're simply exercising their religious freedom, how will such employers fare under this ruling? I think it's going to be tough. You know, I mean, obviously, it's, it is an avenue that's available. You know, we saw uh, the Hobby Lobby opinion where the court, you know, upheld the right of, uh, of a, you know, a private company to, uh, that opposed using, you know, funds for, uh, for abortion services. Uh, you know, so we could see an employer arguing that they have a First Amendment right to express a sincere religiously held belief 
um, not to comply with these policies. But it's, you know, it's pretty limited. And you're going to, the employer's going to have to show first that they have, that as a corporate policy, they have this sincerely held religious belief, which again, the Supreme Court didn't rule out the possibility, but it's, pro- it's very unlikely that a public company is going to be able to do that. So they're going to have to show that they have that belief as a corporate entity and that whatever it is that they are that they are opposing, that, um, uh, that their actions are narrowly, narrowly tailored to to express this first amendment, their religious held religiously held belief. So I think it's going to be hard to argue that a you know that they can just uh, on a blanket basis, you know, uh, fire people because they are a member of the LGBTQ community okay. in contravention of this of this statute. We're going to take this. a short break. When we come back, we'll return to this conversation with Tom Spiegel and Kiara Johnson about what's next for the LGBTQ community. But you can still call us, 800-433-8850, with your questions or comments. I'm Kojo Namdi. Welcome back. We're discussing after a big win in court, what's next for the local LGBTQ community and for, in particular for LGBTQ employees. Taking your questions at 800-433-8850. Do you identify as LGBTQ? Have you faced discrimination in the workplace? We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 800-433-8850. What is your view of this Supreme Court ruling? 800 800- Four three three eight eight five zero. We're talking with Tom Spiegel, owner of the Spiegel Law Firm, and Kiara Johnson, deputy executive director of the National LGBTQ Task Force. Kiara Johnson. Earlier this month, the Trump administration reversed protections preventing healthcare providers from discriminating against transgender people. Can you tell us about this change and whether it will be challenged? Um, this is, um, I think, speaks to exactly what you and Tom were saying earlier. We've got a lot more work to do. Um, the reality is, is that, um, you know, transgender folks, um, you know, actively are getting discriminated against, um, uh, you know, as it relates to health care. And it's going to take more than a Supreme Court ruling, right, and more than elections. We're going to have to keep uh, putting pressure on our congressional members and people, um, you know, decision makers and institutions in holding them accountable. Um, you know, the fight is not over. We're definitely going to be doing the work um, with faith leaders, uh, with members of Congress, um, working with advocates across the country to, to you know, shift that and reverse that, um, in addition to making sure, you know, things like discrimination in housing and voting discrimination are um, a thing of the past. What's next in the fight for LGBTQ civil rights? First, you, Tom Spiegel. Well, I think to to Kiara's point, I mean, this is just the beginning. Um, We've got the Supreme Court case, clearly, but it's going to have to be, there's going to be litigation. There's going to have to be uh, decisions by lower courts. Um, Appellate courts going to have to consider the application of this law. And of course, Title VII doesn't solve uh, the entire problem. So we're going to continue to see litigation around this area and policy fights over it. So while this is a big step forward, uh, it doesn't get us all the way across the finish line. Same question to you, Kiara Johnson. 
Yeah, uh, one of the big things we're focused on right now is making sure that LGBTQ people are um, filling out the census. Um, it's not necessarily the sexiest thing to talk about with people, but when you when you uh, you know educate people about how much money we're talking trillions of dollars that are decided by census numbers, um, it becomes really interesting and important um, and inspiring for people to get get that filled out so that we can ensure, you know, things um, that money flows into our community for health care, um, COVID relief, um, uh, uh, Medicaid um, and the like. Um, I think the other piece for us that's super um uh, top of mind uh, is around housing discrimination. Um, the, the homeless youth in the U United States right now are overwhelmingly uh, identified as LGBTQ. Um, so we've got a huge stake in making sure that discrimination in housing um, uh, is ended soon. Here is Kim in Alexandria, Virginia. Ken, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I teach locally, and um, I identify as a, a gay man. And at a previous school where I worked, um, one of the assistant principals told me that I'm not to advertise um, the Gay Straight Alliance Club that I sponsored. And um, this person told me this in kind of like a secluded corner of the workplace where there were no cameras. And it just felt very threatening and um, ominous. Um, and that happened in the last, like, five years. Was this a person um, in authority? Yes. It was an assistant principal. Um, and the, the person in question also was a faith leader in their own community. So they had, like, two roles. They were not only our assistant principal, but outside of school, they were a faith leader. And I think that that was influencing their decisions. Well, the implied threat was that if you were to promote the organization that you are involved with, that you would be terminated? They didn't go that far, but they told me, um, because what had happened was uh, a staff member walked by, and I was in the hall with my students near my classroom, and they asked me, what does LGBTQ stand for? Because I had a poster next to my door saying, this is where the LGBTQ, you know, Gay-Straight Alliance meets. And I explained it to the student. Well, this staff member that walked by reported it to the administration, making it seem like I was, you know, recruiting people to be LGBTQ. So... Um, Tom Spiegel, um, I was about to ask you if you had any cases that you don't need to litigate anymore thanks to this ruling. This sounds like it would be one of them because given this ruling, that uh, remark by the assistant principal was both inappropriate but maybe illegal. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. Uh, if it's a public school, there's no question that under under this new ruling that that would be illegal. Uh, if it's a private religious institution, then we get into some of these other exceptions. But one important thing I think for everyone to know is that, you know, any claim brought under Title VII, you have to file, depending on, on the state, within 180 days or 300 days 
after the discriminatory event or you lose your right to bring it forever. So, you know, that this happened five years ago uh, would mean that you're, you're probably, I'm not suggesting that you're asking to do that, but you would be out of luck for filing. You got to file it with the EEOC, which is easy to do. You can go to eeoc.gov and do it yourself. Of course, you can do it with an attorney if you need to, but absolutely that would be illegal under this, under this new ruling. Thank you very much. Care to comment on that, Kiara Johnson? Um, I, I just, it's, it's just an everyday example of what we're up against, right? Like, the reality is, you know, people will remember, you know, Brown versus Board of Education, right? That, that ruling happened. It didn't mean there was integration of schools immediately or that black students were treated with equity and fairness immediately, right? We're still dealing with <laughs> what that looks like um, in our schools today. And this is just another example of, um, of the work that we have to do. And I just want to appreciate, right, the, the work of being an ally, uh, a public ally to LGBTQ young people. Um, it is not an understatement to say that it, that it saves lives. Does this ruling, Kiara, have any special implications for people who identify as transgender? Um, yes, um, overwhelmingly, um, transgender people are among the most impacted uh, by employment um, discrimination, and so absolutely, this is um, this is a real celebration among you know transgender people everywhere. And it still doesn't mean that there isn't discrimination before people even like get in their jobs, right? So we still have to work on you know what getting their getting the their foot in the door. Um, that's another piece of this puzzle that we've got to we've got to fix. Let me see if Suzanne in Columbia, Maryland is ready. Suzanne, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. I just wanted to say that I was so um, both troubled, but also um, enthusiastic about the teacher that just called a little while ago, um, because I have a gender nonconforming seven-year-old, and we're in Howard County Schools, very progressive, but we you know, had all kinds of problems. We had a teacher say, oh, well, maybe he could save the dress up for the weekends. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really how this works. And they were well-meaning, but they just didn't get it. And, you know, the school district has been very proactive but the local schools don't always have the resource base to get it. And having an ally like that man in the school would be incredible. So the fact that he was deterred from being proactive and making it a space that's safe for all kids is abhorrent. And I'm just really glad that, you know, this will have an effect to make it safer for everybody. Suzanne, thank you very much for sharing that story with us. Finally, Kiara Johnson, do you expect any backlash in state legislatures over the Supreme Court decision? Will it push them to limit LGBTQ rights in other areas, say rights of transgender athletes to participate in sports? I, I, I definitely think, um, you know, when, when we get a, a win on one side, it galvanizes the other side. And so, you know, uh, Tom was mentioning, you know, the, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and working with faith, people of faith. I think that is a big part of our work to do. Um, there okay. is no civil rights battle that has not had faith. Only got about 20 engaged. seconds left. And getting them engaged and, and ready for the fight is essential. Kiara Johnson is Deputy Executive Director of the National LGBTQ Task Force. Tom Spiegel is the owner of the Spiegel Law Firm. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about another high court ruling, the one that preserves DACA, at least for the time being. I'm Kojo Nambi. 
This time on Dish City, 18th Street Lounge is one of the many businesses forced to close down because of the pandemic. But regulars of the late DC nightclub say they'll cherish the memories they made there. During those times when like, I didn't have a person to go call up in town to go do something, you know, I knew I could go there and feel like I wasn't alone. On Dish City, how one club changed the course of DC nightlife history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.